because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I to do horror stuff with my friends. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Shuffle. Welcome, everybody, to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends over at 24-7 Comedy. Make sure you check them out, 247comedy.com, plenty of AM, FM stations, and their iHeartRadio app. You can get them on. They're uh, streaming stand-up all the time. And, of course, Amazon, our uh, sponsor there. You can uh, Anytime you get anything from Amazon, back to school, guys, perfect time. To get, uh, I mean, really, you can't get anything off Amazon. You log on to SeanTGreen.com. You don't go straight to Amazon. You go to SeanTGreen.com, click the Amazon link. We get a little taste of that over here at the podcast, and everything is all good. I'd like to welcome on our guest, Mr. Uh, Ty Rivera. Ty, what's happening, man? What's up, Sean? Not much. Not much. Long time uh, no see. I feel like, and now I've known you for, uh, Jesus, I don't know how many years. I know. I feel like I met you pretty early on. I've known you for eight or nine years. Yeah, that sounds about right. When I first moved out to L.A., I remember you were one of the first guys I met uh, in the comedy circuit. I think, now correct me if I'm wrong, I think we met at the um, the old watering hole and stand-up spot, Marvin Mary's. Am <laughs> Marvin I correct? Mary's. Yeah, I got to see Bino the other day, the owner. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, uh, talked about it a couple times on the podcast, but it was just basically this guy on the west side of Los Angeles, this... This uh, zen-like character named uh, Bino, uh, he had this kind of hole-in-the-wall bar, and he decided <laughs> to just turn it into this open mic factory, and he would just have open mic night there every night from 6 p.m. until like 2 a.m. You could sign up as many times as you want, and it would just, he would, you know, guys would go up multiple times in a night. Uh, I remember when he first started, the, there was like... He, he was being all, like, zen about it. He goes, all right, there's not going to be a light. You just go up there, and when it's your time, you just get off. And then I remember uh, Dave Lee. Dave Lees. <laughs> yeah. I'll never live this down. Dave Lee went up and did, like, 30 minutes of just, like, awful, not good stand-up comedy. Or whatever. I mean, it was... He admits it was awful. (laughs) I mean, like, I talked to him about it. We worked together in El Paso not too long ago, which, you know, everybody knows Dave Lee's is funny. Yeah, yeah. But that night, we all have, like, nights where we write stuff down, and it's like, that wasn't good. You know, and, like, he admits that that night was definitely And it it was early on in in Dave's career as well. So to do 30 minutes, he was just kind of like, hey, man, I got this opportunity to do as much time as I want. I'm going to take advantage of it. He did that, and then uh, the next night there was a light hanging, and uh, it, you know it became a much more structured system of like, hey, you only get X amount of minutes, blah blah blah. Yeah, Bino. I just saw Bino the other day. Um, I was going to drop something in the post at the post office on Wilcox, and I saw him, and then he commented on my um, some post I put on Facebook, which I'm sure was me talking shit. <laughs> Yeah, Bino, uh, Bino's true character. Now, what do you uh, do? You, do you talk a lot of shit on Facebook. You seem to uh, 
You see, I follow you on the Facebook and the and the Twitter, or you know, we're friends or whatever. Yeah. And I, I you put out a lot of these, and they crack me up personally. But a lot of these are like lecturing to other comics, or you put you won't. Sometimes you'll name names, but a lot of it's just like, hey, listen, I didn't make eye contact you, with you because I'm not friends. I'm just here to do this open mic and get out of here. I don't want to blah, blah. You're just like settling your hash via social media. And it always cracks me up. Yeah. I, yeah. I imagine. I imagine. You know, being there and kind of missing out on it. Well, comics just expect a lot from me sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, because uh, we've been on around the same amount of time. Yeah. You know, like, uh, when when you met me, that was right when I was starting to. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, like, if you think about the number of comics you've seen come and go. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm not going to go out of my way to be friends with everybody when I don't know if they're going to be around in a year. You know <laughs> I what know. I mean? And then I know. It, well, they don't. Yeah, it's like they don't realize how many relationships we've already gone through or how many guys you've invested in like all right i listened to your take on comedy i've heard your take on comedy i heard how passionate you are about stand-up comedy then six months later you're just off the grid and never doing stand-up comedy again and yeah i I, and also just listening to comedy i feel like there are a couple guys or like you know guys like yourself guys that respect their stand-up it's like oh i haven't seen him in a while i'll i'll sit i'll listen to his stuff or whatever but to just sit through and listen, and then people are complaining like, oh, guys come in and just leave and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, you can complain about that when you're starting out, the, like other comedians not listening to other comedians. But you you have to realize that if you've been doing it for so long, it's just like – I. I feel like I've heard all of stand-up comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and even my friends, I don't expect my friends to stay in the room when I'm on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, even at an open mic, when people are like, you know, well, you should really be supportive. When I'm at an open mic, it's more about me getting things out and me saying them, and it's not for the other comics. So right. even my friends, if they walk out right before my set, I don't take that personally at all. Yeah. And I also feel like you're going to see it. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're around each other all the time. You're going to yeah. see it. Yeah, and especially you, you kind of end up going through – you end up seeing a lot of the same people. So it's like, yeah, yeah. you, ha- you have a phone call you have to get back to. You're talking to a girlfriend or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't I That's don't the other that one though. That's the other one that I want to mention is like a lot of times people assume that I'm doing stupid things on my phone when I'm not paying attention to their set. And like what a lot of people don't realize is right now I handle everything myself. So a lot of times I'm booking things and whenever yeah. a booker hits me up, I don't care who you are. I'm hitting that booker back. <laughs> you know, I'm exactly. not missing work because of you. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, I got a voiceover audition. I want to get back to this person. You know, just yeah, like- I'm not going to listen to your shitty <laughs> joke about whatever you're talking about and act like I really care. You know, I just don't. Yeah, I'm- and also, and yeah, I mean, Facebook, you get bombarded, obviously, with other comedians inviting you to stuff or, or that whole thing. And it's just like, also, I'm not a great audience member. You know what I mean? Like, just be. I've seen so much stand-up comedy, and I'm not even trying to actively be a dick or whatever. I'm just kind of burnt out on. Even if your stand-up's good, I'm probably just kind of burnt out on it. And if I am, you know, listening to it, I'm listening probably more critically and just like thinking, like, oh, hey, that was good. Blah blah blah. Yeah, you laugh inside in a lot of cases. I mean, like you really, like you thoroughly enjoy a joke, but the way you express that is still sitting there, like, hmm, yeah, yeah exactly, that's pretty good. Hey, you, you, know? got, <laughs> you got a firm uh, head nodding. I'll, I'll take that. And 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so that's what my thing is on Facebook. And, I mean, like, the other thing is, like, I get a lot of the can I pick your brain lately. Mm. Like, you know, people – and I don't know why everybody thinks that I need them to buy me lunch. <laughs> but that's what everybody hits me with. I mean, like, can we go to lunch and talk about, like, what, your career that doesn't exist? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Why would I want to talk? I mean, like, I have a lot of friends that are, like, you know, really well-established comics. Sure. I don't hit them up to right. go to lunch. If we have something going where we're working on something, then obviously if they want to go to lunch or something like that, Yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah. But, you know, I don't hit them up. And, like, with the younger comics, like, some people think that I'm a dick because I say that kind of <laughs> stuff. But my thing is if you're really around, if you're really at the open mics and you ask me a question while we're at an open mic – I'll answer you. Yeah. You know, so I don't need to take time out of my day to go to lunch with you. I don't care if you offered to buy. I don't need anybody to buy me lunch. Yeah, you don't need the sandwich. You need your time. Exactly. Yeah, I need to be at the And that gym. is the thing. Like like you said, kind of doing, uh, yeah, being a one-man band, which a lot of comedians are. Even, you know, even looking at like a level like Louis C.K., he's still... You know, he put out his whole special himself. He cut it together. He edited it himself. He did all that stuff himself. So even if – regardless of what level comedian you are, yeah, your time is kind of the ultimate thing. And, and yeah, I guess people assume like, oh, what? You don't want to mentor me? It's like, no, I got got a ton of other shit going on. Like most people in the entertainment world are really just trying to keep afloat. Like they're trying to keep their own head above water. Yeah, and all I'm going to tell you anyway at – this lunch you're going to pay for is just to hit as many open mics as you can, get as many spots as you can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just throw as much stuff at the wall as you possibly can and see what sticks. I mean, like, that's all I'm going to say. So, yeah. I mean, know. when it comes to advice, I think uh, Dave Chappelle uh, had a great line where he was like, uh, you know, everyone keeps asking me, like, hey, Dave, why don't you come talk to the kids at school, inspire these kids, tell them the dream, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no. He's like, what I did was very, I mean, he's like, what I did was very, very hard. And, you know, the only reason I did it was because I had a fire in my belly. Like, I didn't need someone to come and, like, get me motivated and give me a pep talk. Like, honestly, if you need someone motivating you and getting you fired up and, like, hey, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Um, then you probably don't have the tenacity it takes to be successful, especially in something where there's so much rejection like this. You kind of have to have your own furnace going. Yeah, it's, and it, like the thing with people, like if, if you ever sit down with a newer comic and you tell them what they need to be doing, right. they will give you every excuse why they can't do that. <laughs> well, I have my day job and I have this. What I did was I moved here and I was lucky enough to, when I moved here to have a job that was telecommute. Yeah. And and so I was able to still keep my job and live in L.A. Mm-hmm. But like at a point I was living in a hotel or, a, you know, crappy motel, the, the San Croix, I believe it was <laughs> on Sunset and Bronson. And like I ran out of money. I was like, you know, well, you know, I can either continue to live in this place and pay for this or I can move into my Jeep. And so that's what I did. I lived in my Jeep for four months. And I, I had a Jeep Grand Cherokee. It wasn't like one of the Wranglers, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, it was still a nice Jeep. You know, I mean, like it was decent. I mean, like I could, but I was still sleeping in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, I lived in and literally, and I wasn't one of those people that was like, you know, oh, I'm couch surfing and I didn't want to burden my friends. So I just stayed in my truck all the time, you know, and like I slept on the PCH. And, uh, like, so, like, you know, when people tell me the reasons that they can't do things, I always feel like that's not a good reason. You know, I was willing to live in my truck. What, what's so good about you? 
Exactly. Yeah, I mean the reality is you're gonna you're gonna hit the wall a few times, and yeah, I mean it is weird to see people kind of get filtered out, and, but it. Yeah, like when guys are first starting out, they kind of expect you like, hey, we're doing – it's a lot of – I think a lot of it is the idea of like, hey, we're doing the same show. We're kind of on the same level. And not to sound like pompous or anything, but not that you have to like, uh, oh, hey, show me some huge form of respect or deity or whatever. But just realize like I've already been through this. I've already had this conversation where you talk about comedy and you think you're exposing some grand truths it's almost comedians almost kind of well if they're not actual cokeheads they kind of become cokeheads when it comes <laughs> if to they're t- not actual cokeheads <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to talking about like the process and then you just like keep having this uh you know long drawn out conversation just i've already had this conversation a million times with a million different people i'm sorry i'd rather just talk about something else yeah and in a lot of cases better people people that were more established people that had more to say you know so now because like i like a lot of people think like my attitude is just like you know i'm like (laughs) this and i think i'm better than everybody that's not really it i know i'm better than a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) see no but no no ty you don't have to I mean, you're kind of fucking around, but you're kind of not. And you're, I mean, I like when guys are on. I, to me, as a performer, when you're paying attention to someone, a lot of times it's because confidence. They have swagger. Like, if you're, I mean, honestly, stand up comedy, you can compare it to being a boxer. Did Mike Tyson, when he went in there, go, I don't know if I'm going to win this fight? Like, you kind of have yeah, to well, have this attitude. Yeah, well, if you think you suck, then why does anybody want to watch you? Like, yes, if you really exactly. think that, then why, what makes me want to watch you, it? How many times have you seen a guy who had a great bit or a great joke, and instead of telling the audience it was funny, he was asking, like, hey, is this – and you could just – the audience, they're like – they just smell fear. They're ravenous animals. They Yeah, they, they don't want to laugh anyway. They, I mean, like, you know, especially the way we do it in L.A. Yeah. because we spring comedy on them. Like, yeah, you know, know, it's not like they came out for it. It's like, oh, I was having a drink and now I got you. Now I'm, <laughs> now I'm being burdened into an, uh, becoming an audience. Yeah, but where I was going with that is like, you know, yeah, I mean, like when I'm on like, you know, the open mic scene and stuff like that, you know, I, I'm just me and kind of like you know, to myself and don't really like to be bothered too much. Um, But, like, when I'm at certain places, like Comedy and Magic Club, that's a place that I just started really going, like, a couple months ago, and they've been really cool with me. But there are some really great comics there that maybe now aren't doing as much stuff because they either, you know choose not to they already feel like they are they did their thing or you know what i mean in a lot of cases they really have already made their mark you know they've been on every one of the shows several times they lived through the 80s boom whatever else when i'm around them i just keep my mouth shut and listen yeah because there i'm the kid and i'm gonna be the guy that's like talking about stuff (laughs) where everybody's like you know you're talking about a 50 dollar gig really you want me to listen to this story you know like so you're asking them what what was johnny carson actually like like yeah. yeah, they're like, all right, you need to be in another room. Yeah, right you look now. like, yeah, I mean, to them, you, you kind of look like a newbie. Yeah, so you just keep your mouth shut sometimes. So now you you've know? been out, you've been out in uh, LA, you said like probably eight, nine years, something like that. And yeah. You're originally from Arizona? Arizona, and I go back a lot, which makes some people think I live there. Like more recently, I've had people like thinking that I live in Arizona. Now, why, why are you going back and forth? Because you're traveling a lot anyway and, and just want to spend more time at home? Yeah, because I mean, like I do a fair amount of shows there, get a fair amount of work. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, you know, I'm, I'm, 
big into my parents. A lot of people don't realize that about me, but I love my parents. So anytime I get to be around them, I go be around them, you know, and I go to Sizzler or whatever terrible place they want to <laughs> eat and I sit with them and like, I just like being around them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's something you don't hear a lot from our generation. Like, you know, I'll say I love you to my parents, but it's usually, oh, hey, someone in the family's ill or at a funeral. Like, you're just openly professing your love for the parents. Um, now, most, a lot of comedians come from a, a place where it's like they resented their parents or they needed to do comedy to get attention from their parents who weren't around. Why is your relationship with your parents so positive, you think? Because I, I think, honestly, because we had problems when I was younger. You know what I mean? Like, when I was little, they always let me know that, like, they loved me. And you know what I mean? But, like, we definitely had a point where um, we had problems. But, like, you know, looking back on it, <clears throat> I see certain places that they, I guess you could say, messed up. But yeah. then when I consider how old they were when they had me, it's kind of like I would have messed somebody up too at that point. Right. So there's the one thing. But the other thing is like there was another point where if I'm completely honest about it with myself, I was messing up and they just weren't going to support that. You know what I mean? Like if – because there was – I'm honest about the fact that like at certain parts of my 20s, I did like a fair amount of tweak. You know, I was meth, whatever people want to call it. I did a fair amount. I was never hooked on it. But I yeah. definitely partied a lot. And there were times when I, you know, woke up after a three-day, like, you know, like, because I had to sleep for two days to, like, yeah. wear it off, you know. And then I woke up, and it was the first. <laughs> and so I'm calling my parents trying to get rent money from them, and they're like, we're not going to answer. You know what I mean? We're just not. That's your business. Figure right. that out. Now, what um, – now, see, that seems interesting to me because – so you're saying you're uh, kind of tweaking and uh, and drug use there. It was you're you totally classified as kind of partying because a lot of times, obviously, that comes out from rebelling against your parents or stuff's not going. Uh, what do you what do you think kind of sucked you in there? Was it just like a social thing or how did, how did you? For kinda... me, it really was social because like when I was like 18, 19, something like that, um, I started going. Well, I started going to clubs when I was seventeen. I got a fake ID. Okay. And then um, my, the, one of the first people I met, the guy who became my best friend, sold speed. Oh, okay. And so, you know, we just did it all the time. We smoked it all the time. <laughs> and we were young and, like, you know what I mean? No real responsibility. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do I this. Can't ima- I, like, um, I can't imagine being 18 and on speed. Like, I feel like 18, you, you have a lot of natural energy and you're able to stay up late and you just throw speed <laughs> on top of that. You have no business living that life altogether when you're 18. I was 18, on speed, going to clubs, gay, and you know what I mean? Like, I was just living wrong. <laughs> well, we didn't even get to that, too. Um, now, well, yeah, here, maybe just w- rewind a little bit. When did you when did you realize that you were gay? Was like how early on were you aware? Like, oh, hey, I'm a gay guy. Forever, forever. Like, like there was like, never really kind of. No, when I was five, I like you know, I mean, like I joke about it. I do like you know, yeah. silly jokes or whatever. But like, I really did know when I was that young. I knew like you know that. I had no interest in the girls that way. I liked them. Yeah. Hanging out with them. You know what I mean? Like, I liked... <laughs> I love the eyebrows race. Hanging out with them. Let's make that clear. Yeah, I liked, Only you that. know, playing Barbies or whatever we would do. Like, you can play a little My Little Ponies. Yeah, I'm down, but... <laughs> I remember early on in elementary school, a kid who just loved My Little Ponies. In elementary school, I'm like, I just could not wrap my brain around it. I was like... 
why would you want ponies? They have purple hair. <laughs> like, it, that was just, like, mind-blowing to me. And then, like, once middle school hit and you s- start seeing, like, kind of hearing what gay is and kind of figuring that out a little bit, like, oh, he was just a gay guy who loved ponies and, and hanging out and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, it, like, you know, I, uh, that's also a reason I think that I get along with my parents so well because when, when I was young, they – didn't like you know know that i was gay or even think about it because you know i think maybe denial or you don't want to think that of your kid or whatever you know but they were always like supportive of me being me so if Mm -hmm. i wanted to play barbies i could play barbies if i wanted to jump rope i could jump rope and they would always like you know redirect me and remind me that i was a boy you know not (laughs) in so many words but you know what i mean like here's here's joe montana he can hang out with barbie like throw it away and i love wwf now wwe (laughs) but that makes sense too now that you think you know what i mean like it's like oil down well he he can't be gay he's a huge hulk hogan fan (laughs) what are you worried about Oh, yeah, so that one. <laughs> so <laughs> now, did you? Sign. Now, how did that come about? Did you have to have a conversation where you explain to your parents, "Hey, I'm gay," or did they kind of just slowly come about? Like, how surprised were they when you eventually told them that you were gay? Really surprised, and I don't know how. Like, I don't know how they were so surprised. Honestly, I mean, like you, you know, felt like it was kind of just out there and whatever. Yeah, because I mean, like you know, well, I guess maybe it it. Maybe I threw them off in a way because what happened was I grew up in Casa Grande, Arizona. Now, where is that uh, outside of? It's halfway between Phoenix and Tucson. Okay, so, so we're talking like south, deserty. Yeah, basically 45 miles southeast of Phoenix. Oh, okay, and so, cool. you know, I mean, like it's, you know, like every, I joke about it. Like, you know, if you've driven from Phoenix to Tucson, you've been by it, mm-hmm. but you've never been to it or necessarily through it. Oh, okay. And it's true. You know what I mean? Because you drive by it on the freeway, but you don't actually go. <laughs> you know? And so, um, yeah, that's that's where I grew up. And so, um, you know, when I was young, there was a point when, like, probably until fifth or sixth grade when, like, you know, some of the boys would tease me. But people were nice to me in a lot of circumstances. So it wasn't like I had a miserable childhood. But, like, you know, they, they'd be cool with me, but at the same time, like, every once in a while I'd get the stray, like, sissy joke or, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. it, that kind of stuff. And then, like, you know, when I got into, like, sixth or seventh grade, because I knew that if I wanted to have friends, I better at least pretend to like girls. <laughs> I started, like, you know, dating girls and stuff like that. And then, like, you know, then when I progressed to, like, seventh grade, and, like, you started experimenting a little bit. Um, then, like, you know, I started... No, I didn't have sex with the girl until I was in, like, ninth grade. But, oh, okay. Like, at that point, I was, like, honestly... Wow, you're ahead of... You're years ahead of me, and you're a gay guy. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you... Now, see, that's interesting to me. So, like, when you had... Uh, in ninth grade, when you had sex with a girl, was this... Was this, like, hey, I just want to try this and make sure I'm gay... Um, was it just like, Hey, this is kind of the thing you do. I should, was it like to be accepted? What was the, what was the motivation? It was partly to be accepted and also because I was trying to fix myself. Okay. So you thought like, Hey, if I have sex with a girl, I'll kind of like it. I'll kind of get this gay thing out of me. I'll get, I'll get kind of, I'll, you know, straight is great. Kind of your own little. Yeah. Between that and praying. 
I thought maybe I could, you know what I mean? Between like, those two. Yeah, you reached out. You, you know, hey, God helps those who help themselves. Exactly. So yeah, you're following. You can, you can pray to God to be straight, but hey, you got to go out there and make it happen. Do the work. <laughs> you got to do the work. You can't just expect it to fall into your lap. Put a little elbow grease into it. Exactly. So, so that, that's fascinating to me. So had you, so had you already like kind of like hooked up with guys before that or is this – was the the first time you were with a woman the first kind of sexual experience period? When when well, that's kind of um, an if an iffy. There had like you know, yeah. I'm just curious. Is like, had, did you? Did, were you like you know making out with guys before that and said like, hey, I want to give a woman a try, or was it like before you had ever acted on being gay, you tried a woman and then realized like, no. Well, when I was younger, there was one incident when I was like younger, younger, where I had been kind of um, I molested is such a strong word, sure, <laughs> you know what I mean. But <laughs> technically, like, yeah, I, you know what I mean. But. It, it, to me, it didn't feel that way or seem that way, but that's what it was. You know what I mean? Right. So there was that. Um, and so, like, you know, I knew that that was there, but, like, you know, then, so yes and no. You know what I'm saying? You know what okay. I mean? Like, it was So you don't think that um, having something like that happened, that didn't kind of change your wiring at all? You were already kind of – you were already – you were that didn't affect – your sexuality at all or have an impact you think i don't think so i think it was already there you know what i mean like you just and maybe the person sensed it or something yeah there's parts of me where i feel sort of like you know i would never say anybody's ever asking for that kind of thing to happen <laughs> but <laughs> right. i would say I'm the altar been... boys were wearing their collar and, you know they, they had it pretty low they were showing some yeah i might have been vibing you know <laughs> 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 it's so hard to describe. <laughs> you were batting your eyes, Ty. We, yeah, we all, it was. It was. We little, all been there. <laughs> a little gay Lolita vibe. <laughs> you know? So now, now this is fascinating to me. Like you, you have sex with a woman to kind of set the idea of like, hey, I'm I'm gonna try this straight angle. But what's the reaction after you you have sex with her? What is it able to like? Is it? I mean, obviously, the first time anyone has. You know, straight or gay with a with a girl, it's going to be an awkward experience. Yeah, but. the first time was horrible and a mess, and we were out in the forest, literally, because like we went on. I went to an alternative school. They took us to this, you know, northern Arizona to this <laughs> like you know retreat or whatever. Yeah, for like a I love weekend. how they I love how uh, school people, whether it's like Boy Scouts camp. Uh, field trips, whatever, they're like, hey, we know what will keep these kids out of trouble. Let's just take them out in the woods. It's like, no, this is, they're just going to figure out a way to have sex yeah, with Yeah, let's each take other. them out in the woods where we can't supervise them. <laughs> We're going to spread them out where there's going to be no parental supervision. There's going to be no doors to lock. It's just someone's going to ha- keep an eye on a tent flap. Like, it's really <laughs> yeah, the worst just, idea. It's honor code. <laughs> But yeah, so like, you know, and that time it was like, it was a mess, you know, and then I ended up like, you know, being with that girl f- a couple of times, but she was really promiscuous um, and, you know, just really, I ended up finding out later she had a really hard home life and basically an uncle that ended up getting her pregnant. And Jesus. so, yeah, that was kind of like her, you know, I mean, I cast the ground when I was growing up. I don't know what it's like there now. I don't really know how many t- uh, Casa Grande, how many people are we talking city 
I don't know. I think when I don't even know when I was growing up. I don't know. Yeah. What would you describe it? Kind of a suburb feeling, a little bit more. Less yeah, because it wasn't like small town, like one light small town. I would imagine somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand people. Okay, so it was smaller, but not like not like a village. You know, not yeah, not something no, super yeah. small. Yeah, but you know, small enough. So that a lot you of people felt like knew everybody knew your business. Okay, so everyone's kind of up in other people's business. We had one high school, you know, because a lot of our population there also like the other thing that drove the population up: snowbirds. Snowbirds. Yeah. Okay. We All had right. a lot of snowbirds, so like you know, they weren't actively part of the community, or so like, they're kind of there half the time. Yeah. Like, if that, you know, because yeah. Arizona's so hot when it's, you know, summer. They're, or... they're, yeah, they're out in the summer and they're just there hanging out in the winter. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. So, okay. So it doesn't go well with her. Did you, did you try again with a different girl? Yeah. I ended up like having several girlfriends and I had like, at, the, at that point, like, you know, a lot of people complain about their miserable lives when they were younger. Sure. Like I, per, I was popular in my school and I like, you know, I had a lot of friends and they were like, well, you know, now, now that, that seems to be, um, a big thing in the media or this, there's this idea that, um, gay kids are ostracized. And I don't know. I feel like we probably grew up in a similar time, and I, I don't feel like uh, I don't feel like it was even gay wasn't even as open as it is now. And I don't feel like gay like people went out of their way to pick on gay kids. I mean, maybe they weren't as open. Like, what was your experience? Did you feel? It sounds like you you didn't really have a traumatic experience. Yeah, I, I didn't. Like, you know, I mean, because, like, it, it, like, when you were living, like, that in my town anyway, or my city, when you were, you know, when I was growing up, all you had to do to get the kids to stop calling you gay was to tell them you weren't gay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they weren't the most, you know, like, and, and listen, like now. Yeah, and listen, Ty, I mean, maybe you, you probably got a little bit more, but... When I hear these stories about people being called a fag in high school, I was like, yeah, that that was high school. Like, yeah. I was called a fag all the time Yeah, for yeah. everything. That was how people talked. Yeah. Like, I, who hasn't been called a fag? You know what I mean? Like if you're a guy, gay or straight, you've been called a fag at some yeah, point. Yeah, and like even in – the only time I would hesitate in calling someone a fag or gay is if I thought they might actually be a fag or a gay and like, uh, you know, I don't want to get – Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? you like, fucked up when you call it like somebody that might be like it is. <laughs> It's kind of like, you know, oh, I'm so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, I remember um, there was a uh, there was a gay guy. This is when I first uh, moved out to L.A. I was working at Entertainment Tonight as a production assistant in the like tape vault. Mm-hmm. So this was back before it was all digitized. So they would just say like, hey, we need a uh, we need uh, some B-roll of uh, Tom Cruise. So you would just like find it in the video library, pull it, whatever. And uh, <laughs> and uh uh, there was me and this other guy working there who was a gay guy. And, then, you know, this is like right when I moved out from Pennsylvania. And so we're sitting there, like, sorting tapes. And we were talking about Ryan Seacrest. This was like season one of American Idol. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that guy's a fat. Hey, whatever. And he's like, you were going to say fag, weren't you? I was like, yeah, I was. And he goes, it's cool, man. I'm like, all right. Yeah, that, well, that's what gets me is like, you know, most gay people, most well adjusted gay people, gay men, yeah. specifically don't have a huge problem with the word fag. Most of us are smart enough to actually take the context in which you meant it. You know what I mean? Like it's not right. if you're not I being mean, that's hateful. The thing. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like um 
That's why we created language. That's why there's tone of voice. There's context. That's why when I'm on stage at a comedy club, it's different. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what, if we talk about rape or Hitler or AIDS or fag or th- like, it's different because it's it's comedy. We're supposed to make light of like serious subjects. You know, and that's what that's what always gets me, or that's what like. That's what kind of incenses me about this insane political correctness it's because when there are people who are actually legitimately hateful, if you're lumping in Daniel Tosh with like people who actually are – I mean I don't know Daniel Tosh, but I'm just saying but, you know, a comedian who says something about AIDS or gay or rape or whatever with people who are actually kind of do these acts and should be put in jail, if you, if you like ostracize – if you like string them up along with them, you're kind of taking away – the, the people who act on stuff are the people that are a real problem. Yeah, and all you're doing is telling people that, like, you know, just to keep it down. Because they're not going to not have those feelings. You know what right. I mean? Like, to me, when I, when I first got to L.A., the thing I noticed, because, like, you know, people don't really think of, like, nine years as that big of a deal. But, like, it was actually quite a bit different, like, as far as what people were, you know, even here in L.A., as far as, like, you know, the way certain people were about gay, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, like, I noticed that on the comedy scene in particular, the comics that would go on stage and be like, you know, I have no problem with gay people. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> those are the people that would avoid me like the plague. <laughs> The yeah. ones that would use the word fag and whatever else, which in my head, because, you know, I was coming from Phoenix, Arizona, in my head, I was thinking, These pe- this person must hate me. You know what I mean? Like, because they're saying the word fag and everything else. And so I'm listening to all this. And then they'd get off stage and be the most cool with me. Be like, you know, whatever. I don't care. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think that also has to do with, like, how comfortable you are with yourself or what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like, that's – I feel like it's a better indicator. It's almost like opposite is a better indicator. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it – it just comes down to the idea of, like, really, it is – yeah, I don't know. It is just a word. The, the whole point of comedy and the whole point of, you know, any sort of public speech, just like context, tone of voice. That, that's what language is all about. I can tell when someone is being hateful. You can tell – when someone is actually hateful, they won't actually use – for the most part, they won't actually use those words. They'll kind of code it. They'll, yeah. they'll make it sound a little different. And they definitely won't say it in public and out loud. Like, there's usually that whisper. The people that you you would be concerned about are actually smart enough to not use that word in public or whatever. You know what I mean? They'll use, like, coded language about, like, uh, rebuilding the family structure and this and that. And you can can sense it in that way that they're uncomfortable about uh, homosexuality or whatever. Versus just kind of, like, joking around and busting chops. Yeah, I've been accused of being a homophobe. (laughs) That's some of my favorite stuff uh, when you talk about, like, your interactions with maybe the more, I guess, like, hardcore liberal um, gay constituents or, like, you you make jokes about HIV and AIDS in your act and you're like, hey, I, I, I feel entitled to do this. I've had experiences with, the, with people who had the disease and had to handle these situations and then you get – you get uh, criticized from the gay community. To me, that's – I mean some of the – that's some of uh, – I just find that shit hilarious. Yeah, because I fully accept that those are to a lot of people AIDS jokes. Yeah. But to me, they're jokes about my life, just a different part of my life. Like yeah. one guy when I first moved here, he tested positive during the course of our relationship. Like, you know, it was like, you know, within the window, it was when we were first getting together. And it, like I stayed with him through that. He ended up just overall being a, a – 
pretty crazy guy. So, mm-hmm. and that I don't think had a lot to do. I think HIV elevated, or like, you know, that situation in his life elevated right. that. Right, I can't, I can't imagine getting HIV makes you less crazy, but yeah. Yeah, so I... But I, if that's already there. Yeah, and so, like, you know, and, but like, you know, I wasn't going to break up with him for that reason. I mean, like, it didn't, like, really occur to me, you know? And then, um, then I was in a relationship with someone for a year that was HIV positive, and like, you know, that wasn't the reason we broke up, and, it, well, it was kind of an issue, at, at a point, but only because he made it an issue, you know, which. Now, what do you mean he made it an issue? Like he felt you weren't supportive enough or he felt. Um, yeah. What do you what do you mean by he made it an issue? Well. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a long story. Oh, OK. Like, yeah. It's, if, it, if it's too much to get into. I was just curious. But like he kind of. He kind of pressed uh, – he pressed it too hard or something or – Well, the, no, the thing was um, <clears throat> I first met him one night when I was out partying. Right. And, you know, like a lot of dumb guys, I'll take full responsibility for, <laughs> for me. I'm fucking dumb. You know what I mean? I have a penis and sometimes it drives me. <laughs> See, that's one thing gay guys and straight guys have in common. Yeah, there's either way, our penis is driving us. Yeah, there's no getting around it. Two different destinations, but it's still, (laughs) still, we're in the back seat going. Are you sure you want to go here? I don't know about this penis. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's one of the great things that we do have in common. It's true. Well, terrible things we have in common, but yeah, listen to yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so we partied, and then you know, I didn't know anything, and like you know. Um, we had unprotected sex where I was the top. Okay. Which is significantly less risky. Sure. But, you know, like, you know, I know that because of my track record, the amount of guys that I've dated that have been HIV positive, that that's something I have to think about. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, seriously. Somebody could be. But, like, you know, I was just having a good time and... I think there was also a part of me that felt like I didn't want to think about that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and th- there was also like the where like, you know, I, everybody's been so honest with me before that I just felt like, you know, if this person had anything, they would definitely tell me before we did this. Right. You know, and then so we ended up doing it like <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like I'm being a kid, but like, you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we fine. ended up having sex and then, um. He ended up telling me later on, like, you know, the ne- two days later when we were hanging out again. Like, oh, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would, to me, that would f- freak me out, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's not, I mean, it's not something that comes up as often, or you know. Yeah, and I, I, I was able to kind of, well, not kind of, I was able to forgive it, I would say. Right. And, like, we ended up being together for, you know, a year after. Um, but the thing was, um, it was always kind of in my head, like, you know, if this guy liked me or liked me as much as he said he did, even after that first day when we just hung out, mm-hmm. then wouldn't he have told me that I could be putting myself at risk? You know, like, so. Yeah. But then also there's a part of me that always believes in taking personal responsibility and knowing that, like, that's up to me. You can't right. count on the other person. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, the same thing with getting a girl pregnant. It's like, oh, hey, she should say that, it, wait, put it this way, like, oh, hey, if she's not on birth control, she would have said something, right? <laughs> and then you have to realize, 
No, wait, that's, uh, you're kind of uh, the other part of the equation. Yeah, you're definitely at least half responsible, no matter how you <laughs> exactly. cut Exactly. You know? Regardless, whatever it is, whatever kind of life-changing thing it is, you're, yeah. both, you're half responsible. Whether it's I mean, life or death. <laughs> creating life that kind of ends your own life in a, in a metaphorical sense, not yeah. as, a, not as a dangerous per se. <laughs> Yeah, so my point with that was, like, you know, that's why it stayed an issue for me. Because, like, you know, as much as I tried to, like, completely forget it, it was always in the back of my oh, mind okay. like that. You All know. right. So, um, to the to the greater point there of that, like, you feel obviously entitled that you've had these experiences and you can make light of them. But then you still end up getting criticized by people by saying, what, like, what is what do people in the gay community criticize you for? kind of making jokes about those experiences well that's the other thing that's like that gets on my nerves about it is like i have been thanked by people that are hiv positive for those jokes yeah and people that have had family members die from aids that you know what i mean like have thanked me and that's never who it is it's always the people that aren't inf- or aren't infected and probably don't have that much experience with it and they're offended for people that they don't know or you know what i mean just because there's a lot of that in this country or just in general people getting offended for other things you know what i mean like just offended at the idea or whatever honestly if you've had to deal with like uh you know cancer whatever blah 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 there a lot of these people they want to feel a part of the they want to be humanized in the sense that, like, yeah, obviously no one wants to be ridiculed, but you want that at least to be in discussion. And I don't know. I feel like talking about it, even if you're making jokes about it, at least you're kind of – you're not just putting it away and saying this stuff doesn't exist. You're bringing it in going, uh, you know, in the same way that people joke about um, – you know, having any sort of problems in life, it like kind of humanizes it. The fact that you're at least able to make jokes about it. Yeah, and I think m- most people, if they were given the choice, even though they they wouldn't necessarily want either, they'd rather be ridiculed than completely ignored. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, at least it's still attention. Yeah. I mean, at least you're at least you feel like okay. At least this is something to take a stand against. This is an enemy I can build against or, or a force I can go against instead of just being a listless person out in there that no one has an opinion or thought on, which yeah. I think is much worse. I'm going to start selling um, red bla- bracelets at my um, shows, <laughs> and I am going to give part of the money to AIDS charities, like whatever okay. local one I'm at in whatever city, and I'll... I've, telling you that's something i've been thinking about for a while <laughs> that's a good that's a good hook like hey you don't like my aids jokes buy the aids bracelet you know and, well, and also or if you like my aids jokes buy the aids bracelet yeah because right? the aids jokes have helped me out a lot so the least <laughs> i could do is help out the cause you know like <laughs> <laughs> you're you're at the aids lock what are you here for ty uh just the comedy yeah, <laughs> like, just jokes just more material <laughs> what what would what is your experience with aids all right, so we kind of got sidetracked from the life story a little bit. I, it's been it's been interesting so far. So you were in high school. It sounded like you you gave it a shot with chicks, and then what, when was the point when you said you had some girlfriends? The high school was a pretty good experience. It sounded like yeah, and then I had a girlfriend for a year and two months, and like you know, then I broke up with her. Um, I was thinking that my whole life was going to be spent in Casa Grande, Arizona, and then. Um, life changed. My dad's um, contract didn't get renewed with the company he was working for, so we had to move to Phoenix. Okay, so how old were we talking then? Um, 17? Okay, so junior 16. year high school, senior? Uh, no, I was um, 
sophomore year. Oh, okay, sophomore. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just started my sophomore year, and I was going to live with my best friend, still in my same town. Oh, okay, so you were just like, hey, mom and dad, I got this. Yeah, but then, you know, I got like, I can't live with it, because, you know, they were broke. Yeah. Those people that I was living with, and I was like, this is not my life. <laughs> you know, I have parents, I don't have to live like this. You know, exactly. I need air conditioning, I need, like, you know, life. Casa Grande, Arizona. Yeah, and so, so I was like, so I went... To live with my parents in Phoenix. I fell in with the wrong crowd. I hung out with gangbangers for a short while. Um, now, how does that work? You're a young guy, a gay guy. How does it work that you're, you're hanging out with gangbangers? I was pretending to be straight, and okay, they were, like, kinda... you know, pseudo-semi-related to me. And so, like, I just like met someone's them. Someone's uncle. Yeah, they were like, you know, let's, you know, hang out. And, like, you know, I got jumped into their gang, which was lame. <laughs> <laughs> You know, everybody else. That was else. so great. You're like, I got jumped to the gang, which was really lame. Now, what, it was. How do, how, do you, how do you describe getting jumped into a gang as lame? Because, like, <laughs> what's so great about a bunch of guys beating the shit out of you? You know what I mean? Like, why do you want that? <laughs> you know? Like, you think you do, I guess, just to be part of the crowd. But, like, once it's happening, you're like, this really sucks right now. <laughs> Yeah. And then when they're done, they, you know, help you out and drink Bud Light with you or whatever. But it's just like, you know, I didn't need that in my night. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Uh, I think it would be tough for me to beat up a guy really hard if there was nothing just as like a formality to just randomly. It, I mean, obviously, I'm not in a gang or whatever, but that like if I got in a fight or if I've ever been in fights, it's cause like something just went down or this guy's trying to do X, Y, or Z and I'm yeah. defending something. And you know, my blood's flowing, the testosterone's cooking in. I can't imagine having that sort of feelings or being able to just beat up someone On if command. I'm totally ambivalent. Yeah. 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 And so that happened. And then, but like, it wasn't terrible. It was just, it sucked. You know what I mean? Right. But it wasn't like, you know, a ter- traumatic memory or whatever. It was just like, okay, I did that. You know, like getting pierced or anything else. It's just kind of like, yeah, that hurt, but whatever. Um, then I ended up getting shot in a drive by that Shit. happened. All right. Now I feel like this is a whole nother story. How did you get shot in a drive by? Hanging out with those guys. <laughs> You know, but, sorry, I'm 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 just laughing at the craziness of yeah, it. Yeah, no, Obviously, I don't have a problem with it. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not the guy that's gonna be like, hey, Sean, <laughs> hey, you made joke, you laughed at a joke I told in the podcast about me getting shot to drive by. Almost now, did you actually get hit or you got shot at? Sorry, no. Well, yeah, um, I got hit. Um, I have a weird. Um, like scar from it it like went in through my calf came out the bend of my knee went back up into my thigh and it's still in my thigh the doctors decided that it would be um too much work uh, <laughs> ripping through too much muscle either way whether they went through the top or the bottom because it was like it lodged oh, right, right in, in the, the middle. middle piece so now it went through your calf through your thigh i'm trying to do the angle it, it sounds like it was going up what yeah, they ricochet barely got by. yeah that's what they they said it must have ricocheted um, that's oh, the best. ricocheted off something, like maybe on the ground, and then came up through Either your leg? the ground or possibly one of the cars, because, like, um, the the cars had gotten shot, too. Like, everything... There was one where it grazed, like, one... You know, like, it grazed the hood of one of my friend's cars, and it, like, the way it caught the paint, <laughs> like, like, pulled it up. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is a weird thing, but, like, you know... Um, 
Yeah, and so it must have like like they thought that it either ricocheted off the ground or they said it possibly could have ricocheted off of something else. And so, um, yeah, then it went into my calf and um, yeah, lodged in my thigh and okay. they left. Okay, well, sorry, there. real quick. Okay, take us through the story. You're hanging out with these gangbanger guys. What like kind of set the scene here? What do you guys? Technically, just... that was before I knew they were a gang. They were kind of related to me, so they didn't want their parents to find out that they were in a gang, even though okay. they all wore like Raiders gear and all that. <laughs> sh- they looked like they were in a gang. But hey, you guys aren't Cardinals fans. What's going on out here? Yeah, but it's almost like the being gay thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, Where exactly. I said all you have to do is say you're not. It was the same with them and their parents. You know, in order for them not to I'm be in a gang, I'm straight and I love the Raiders. <laughs> mm, that ties in, man. Must be straight. Yeah, you hang. But like, it was the same with the gang. You know what I mean? Like they told. Um, their parents that they weren't in a gang and so they didn't and their parents were like okay we'll accept that and <laughs> and then they told me that too because they didn't want me to tell their parents and so that was when I first started hanging out with them before I had got jumped in or anything like that obviously now did you ever ask hey are you guys in a gang yeah <laughs> I did and they said no <laughs> Yeah, and they were like, no, no, we're not. And so, like, you know, I was like, all right, cool. It's just funny question. Whatever, you know what I mean? And this is like, you know, maybe a couple weeks after I started hanging out with them and, like, you know, um, they had had a party a night before that I wasn't able to go for, the night before that I wasn't able to go to. And then the um, the second night they were like, we're just finishing up this keg if you want to come by. Okay. And Been so I there. was able to make it to that one, you know, and I like, you know, went over to finish the keg and then like some guys drove by and, um, it was a gang called wetback power. The, the gang shooting you guys. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, like, I didn't know that like, you know, we were partying on 55th Avenue and apparently wetback in power had taken Casa over. Grand? No, now I'm in Phoenix. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, so this is when after it didn't work out in Casa Grande, you went to Phoenix uh, after your dad moved, that's kind of when you ran in with the wrong crowd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're hanging out in 55th Avenue in Phoenix. Yeah, and I didn't know that, like, you know, they don't put that yeah. in the paper. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not like, you know. It's pre-social media. They're not on, they're not tweeting out their territory. Yeah, and so I didn't know, and, um, uh, you know, like, the, they came by and started yelling out, you know, their gang name, but, like, they have, like, a, a abbreviation, I guess you would call it, or a nickname, and so they were sa- saying, like, Doble, and, um, you know, that didn't mean anything to me. I wasn't from there and didn't know anything, you know, and so... So um, they they just drove by and were yelling out the window? Yeah, they started yelling it, and then the guys I was with started yelling uh, yelling shit back, but I was, like, too busy with the keg, and I was, like, you know, <laughs> drinking, and I was just, like, like you know... Like, someone want to uh, raise my legs up trying to do a uh, sweet keg keg here? <laughs> What's going stupid. on here? <laughs> Guys, guys, we got beer pong, right? Yeah, enough, enough of the yelling. Yeah, and so I, I was just like, you know, whatever with them. They're stupid. You know? like, <laughs> I love your just like blase attitude. Whatever, this gang jumping in is lame. Whatever, these guys are stupid. Yeah, it was always – that really was my thinking. No, no, I was like, great, this though. is stupid, you know? Yeah. And so like, you know, I was drinking my beer and then um, we're all sitting there and my sister was hanging out too, my older sister – and then um, all of a sudden she was like, um, that car just shut off its lights because, you know, it was like at least five or ten minutes later. So we weren't even thinking about them anymore. You know what I mean? Probably closer to so 10. So you just drove by once and then parked somewhere, shut off their or lights. Or maybe went for a cruise around okay, the block. Yeah. or You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, like none of us were thinking anything about it. And my sister – and I never pay attention to anything, you know? Yeah. So my sister noticed that, you know, this car shut off its lights and she was like, that car shut off its lights. 
but I didn't even pay attention again. I was just like, you know, whatever. You know, I didn't think anything. And then I started hearing because one time when I was at camp, somebody set off firecrackers, like a bunch of them. And it was like, pop, 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 pop. And that's the same as it sounded to me when they started shooting. So I was like, in my head, I remember being frustrated, like, who the fuck is the idiot with the firecrackers, you know? Like, in my head, that's what I thought. And then um, the guy, one of the guys that I was sort of related to, you know, um, pushed me on the ground, like, out of my seat, my chair, my folding chair. And I was thinking, like, in my head, like, why the fuck did he push me on the ground? You know what I mean? Nothing was making sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I didn't like, know what was going weird. on <laughs> and it all happened so fast. You know what I mean? And so then they were like, um, then everything stopped and they were like, you know, I heard people yelling, they were shooting, they're shooting. And so then it started to sink in and I was like, Oh shit, people are shooting at us. And then, um, they were like, is anybody hit? And then like, you know, I remember like a jolt to my leg and then I, re- but it didn't feel like anything. And that was right before I got pushed down. And so it was all that happening, you know? And, um, but like what had happened was my body had gone into shock. I didn't know that, you know what I mean? But my body had gone into shock. So, um, it felt basically like my leg was asleep when everything settled and they were like, did anybody get hit? I was like, can somebody check the bottom of my shoe? Cause I figured since my leg kicked up, it probably hit the bottom of my shoe, if anything. Yeah. And so like, you know, I was like, can somebody check the bottom of my shoe? Cause I think, and so then they came over and they went to lift my foot. And when they went to lift my foot, then they were like, you're bleeding. And then, you know, blood oh, was geez. coming out. So get rushed to the hospital and they take it out. Eight hours of testing. And, uh, you know, they put in this, um, I don't know what it's called, but like they put in this like shot type of thing in your like inner thigh, basically, so that they can inject this ink into you. Like, for a second when we were in the ambulance, they were like, you know, because of the way it is, could possibly have to amputate. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I was able to It's crazy to keep that it they're already telling you that that early. Yeah, I was able to keep it together until they said that. You know what I mean? Like, I really wasn't... Because, like I said, my body had gone into shock, so I wasn't in pain. Yeah. It no, I mean, like I, was I was a tough guy. Now, I don't... It's not comparable to getting shot, but I was involved in a construction accident where, essentially... Uh, basically a trailer and like a you know like a giant uh bobcat so it was like maybe mm-hmm. seven thousand pounds landed on my foot and then it like drove forward and then drove back i pulled my foot out and i broke my foot like you know horrifically bad like in the middle bones were like 90 degrees and i don't remember ever feeling any pain because you're just like the adrenaline just i don't know if it, i had quite i don't think i really went into shock but just the adrenaline pumps you so hard that uh your body just kind of acclimates to that crazy trauma yeah and it, yeah it, that's and like you know and the other thing was the other thing i was going to explain the reason that they didn't know for sure if it was ricochet or if it had just been like kind of a clean shot but just at a weird angle was i was sitting like this when it happened so you're so sitting like, there with your leg kind of crossed over your other leg yeah so, so you like, couldn't tell oh okay so all right so, so now that makes sense so your one leg's kind of perpendicular. You're propping up on your other leg that's on the ground. So you kind of, all right, I can yeah. see. So maybe so, bam, kind of comes through there. Wow. Yeah. So now what is what do the folks say? Mama uh, and Papa Ty Rivera. Yeah, they were not happy, of course. You know what I mean? Like they were really worried and like my mom was crying. Yeah, it's, tough to, it's tough to be angry. They're probably just so glad you're all right. And then yeah, crazy story. So 
Sounds like you had a lot of interesting things going on in high school growing up there. When well, I had already dropped out. Like oh, I dropped okay. out after, like right after ninth grade. We breezed like, over the dropping yeah, out. I was like, this well, is when you were saying like seventeen, and I didn't know eh, I was just going to live there. Yeah. So you just eh, school's not for me, kind of thing. Yeah. I I had gotten the idea. Yeah, you figured it out. Yeah, yeah. you landed on your feet. So now, when uh, I'm interested now, when. When did you decide, hey, comedy, hey, Los Angeles, kind of give us a little pre- – like when did that next shift happen? What what was like the thing that brought you out to L.A. essentially? Just stand-up really. Like you know what I mean? Like, uh, to, like to try to make it really short, what happened was I was living a very settled life. I had a boyfriend that I was really in love with and like, you know – Things were on the outside pretty great, but I also remember, like, you know, having my regular job and stuff like that. I was working in an office and at the same time feeling like, you know, is this really all life is going to be for me? You got the itch. Yeah, but when I was younger, I used to love stand-up, which I never mentioned that, but, like, when I was, like, you know, probably between 7 and 12 or something like that or 7 and 11 or whatever, you know what I mean? I was really into stand-up and I would watch it all the time, all of it. Anything I could possibly watch, I would watch that. And um, But you never thought you could do that sort of thing, you know? Like, so, like, it's not something I ever thought about. And so one day, um, when I was working in the office feeling that way and stuff like that, I was at home um, at night one night with my boyfriend and um, we were watching TV and Ellen DeGeneres here and now came on. And then um, like, you know, and I was always good at making my friends laugh. And yeah. so like, you know, when I saw that, then I like at a point she got like a really huge laugh and I told my boyfriend I could do that. And he was like, I know. And then <laughs> ended up finding out about an open mic and yeah, then. Okay. There. So you started doing comedy out in Arizona for a little bit and then mm-hmm. just, yeah, a little bit, but you know how it is in the beginning. Yeah. If you go up once a month, you're, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're doing it. Yeah, twice a month you feel like you're really, I can't take this straight. Well, that was that was with me, and I, I went to, I was always, like, said in my mind, like, hey, I'm going to go to L.A., I'm going to do comedy, and then I did one open mic in Philly, and I'm like, yeah, because I, I realized that there's, it's just a numbers game, too, as far as stage time or opportunities or whatever. You got to go to New York or L.A., and, and that was my whole thing. You know, I guess, I don't know. I mean, there's a million different ways to make it in comedy. Everyone's got their own different story. But, you know, especially pre-internet, in my mind, it was like, hey, move to New York or move to L.A. Hey, I'll move to L.A. I'll just be able to go up all the time, be able to get really good at stand-up. And that that was kind of the genesis. I was like, I'm not going to be able to get really good unless I'm doing it all the time. That was the exact same thing with me. And I had really bad stage fright on yeah. top of it. So I was just like, the only way to get past this is to like do it as much as possible. Well, that's I mean, that's funny to me that you had stage fright because you've already – you. I mean, you went through like a lot of uh, – yeah, just a lot of kind of intense, interesting experiences. You're here now. What? So uh, as we wrap things up here, what do you got coming up on the uh, stand-up calendar? Um, you know, I have a lot of stuff. This weekend – Yeah, just throw out your uh, – oh, Is it relevant? Because this website won't be out there. or uh, uh, Twitter. Yeah, people can go good. to um, com. Ty spelled like Thailand, T-H-A-I, Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A.com. And um, there they can access my Twitter. My Twitter is at Ty Rivera. Everything to do with me is Ty Rivera. Ty Rivera. Yeah. I mean, 
Nowadays on plugs, you just say your name. People know how to use Google. They can figure it out, right? Yeah, and uh, like, well, one time I had comics not too long ago. I was on a tour, and they thought I was snotty because we were on a, a radio show. And they all were spelling out, like, their things. You know what I mean? They were like, well, check me out at such and such. And it's spelled. And then, um, like, when they got to me, they were like, and Ty, how can we get a hold of you? I was like, Ty Rivera, put it in Google. Any way you put it, you're going to find me. <laughs> <laughs> like, even even me, Sean Green, which is a pretty common name. You throw Sean Green in and you're looking for comedy, you're going to find it. So yeah. yeah. It's, it's not that crazy. Yeah, you can spell it T-Y and it'll come up you, any way yeah. you want. You know, Google's much smarter than any one of us. Yeah, Let's be honest. Now, also, you were saying uh, you have a uh, Comedy Central thing coming out. Yeah, um, it's Gabriel Iglesias Presents Stand-Up Revolution. Oh, awesome. And now what? that's kind of like... Um, it's like him, he does some stand-up, and then he, he's kind of like the host. He brings out other comics on it, right? Yeah, it's two comics per episode, and it's... Oh, um, nice. And it, but it's also... Um, there's also a cartoon, and I'm not sure the length of the cartoon or whatever, but like... Um, it's a really, uh, like, I'm really happy to be part of the show, and I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but I really am, because it's, like, really showing something different. Like, it's not the same kind of stuff that we all see, which, you know, like, alt comedy is great, but that's not all there is, you yeah. know? And then, like, a lot of people hear a last name like Iglesias, like, he's got a huge fan base. Yeah, But no, there are still does. certain people that hear that last name and think, oh, well, it must be a Mexican show. And actually, like, Ian Bag is on it. I mean, like, you know, um, who else? Dove Davidoff did it. I mean, like, yeah. there, it's, like, definitely an eclectic mix of comics, and all of them are really great. And I was, you know, there for a weekend in Florida and party too much but that's nobody's <laughs> business it's a whole it's a whole nother podcast yeah but like october third or fourth let me get this right this All actually right. counts <laughs> well that's awesome man yeah anything that um yeah especially on on tv like that where you have a chance to showcase and you get a little bit longer set than you would get i'm sure on uh if you're doing like a set on like a late night show that those sets are like real you don't get as much yeah. time, so uh, getting something on that is uh, pretty awesome, man. October 4th. October 4th, Comedy Central. Make sure you check that out. Ty Rivera has Spoiler been alert, I rocked it. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to lay that out there right now. I fucking rocked it. I love that, Ty. I love your confidence. <laughs> love your passion about comedy. I love your tenacity on just uh, tackling any stage you see. Appreciate your time here on the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Green Room. We do it live here every week on SeanTGreen.com. Log on to SeanTGreen.com to access archive episodes and follow the show on Twitter at Greenroom Show. Also check out DocumentaryLabel.com. What he seen her walk by in them tight jeans and he looked at her like that's my queen.